your finances will leave a long-lasting impact on your family. After all, you only retire once. If you're looking to discuss all things pertaining to your retirement, you've come to the right place. This is Retirement Matters with Michael Stewart. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Retirement Matters. I'm Mark Kaywood alongside Michael Stewart. He's the founder at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial with an office in Crystal Lake, Illinois. You can find him online at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. Or you can call the office, 815-526-3092. That's 815-526-3092. A lot of ways to get in touch with Michael and his team. We'll make sure to give that information out again at the end of the podcast, or I guess you can rewind and come back to the beginning if you'd prefer. He has his MBA in finance and is a registered financial consultant. And Crystal Lake is a one-stop shop with a CPA, enrolled agent, and paralegal all on staff. They can help you when it comes to all things financial and any retirement matters. And with that, Michael, hello and welcome into the program. How are we doing? I'm doing excellent, Mark. Happy fall to you. Yes, happy fall to you. It is a pleasure to be with you as always. We always enjoy getting your financial wisdom on the podcast today, of course, is no exception. And, you know, at the time of this recording, it's officially Thanksgiving season, which I'm excited <laughs> about. I know you are as well. Myself as well. Right now we have a pie giveaway going on to our clients. So uh, they're sending those emails, picking the pecan, apple, or pumpkin. Pecan, apple, or pumpkin. I think it's going to be tight between pumpkin and apple for me. I'd probably go apple, but only if there's some vanilla ice cream to melt on the top, you know. I'm a Southern boy, so I'll go with pecan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My grandmother, before she passed away, had some of the best pecan pie you'd ever had. And we've got the recipe, but it's just never quite the same, you know? Never is. Oh, man. This is going to make me hungry. We better move on quickly here. <laughs> Let's jump into the news. Extra, extra, read all about it. Well, Michael, we recently had the 10-year anniversary of the start of the 2008 financial crisis. That's crazy to say. I'll just stop right there. 10 years since that happened. I feel like it just was yesterday. It's so fresh in so many of our minds, and a lot of folks are still afraid to get back into the market. But it's been 10 years, 10 years ago. What are your memories of that time? Just curious. At that time, I'd been a financial advisor for about eight years. And, you know, having gone through the tech wreck bear market just six years prior, where the market also lost about 50% of its value, it felt different this time. You know, in 2000, everyone knew tech stocks were way overpriced. But just like in 2007, everyone was treating their real estate homes like ATMs. So we knew that, you know, that had to come home to roost at some point and decline in value. But even at that time, you really didn't know about all the fraud and speculation kind of going on behind the scenes by the mortgage lenders, financial institutions, you know, with derivatives and mortgage-backed securities, shoddy underwriting, all these things just in the name of profit, you know, that really blew this thing up. So when clients and I first put together kind of our conservative allocation, for nearly 20 years, what I tell them is we're conservative now, but the day may come where the world's falling apart and your portfolio isn't. And your phone's going to ring and I'm going to say, you know what? Markets are down 30, 40, 50%, just like in 2000, just like in 2008. And we can actually shift some of that money out of the conservative money into the market at these deeply discounted prices. But that doesn't mean it won't go down from there. It just means that we're going to be buying great companies 20, 30, 40% cheaper. You know, and then that's what happened in the last financial crisis. And the thing that I remember the most is intuitively we all know, you know, buy low, sell high. But when low's happening all around you, and even if your portfolio is not falling apart, but all of your neighbors and your family and friends are, when we made those calls back in 2008 and early 2009, clients, they saw the opportunity, 
But at the same time, they were still kind of panic stricken with everything going on around them to the extent that they said, you know, thanks for the call. And I know we talked about, you know, if the market were to sell off 20, 30, 40 percent, that'd be a good entry point. But instead, they just kind of said, thanks for the call, but I'm going to sit tight right now. You know, so it'll very likely happen again, you know, probably very soon. And it's always different reasons for the crash, whether it was tech in 2000 or mortgages and financial crisis in 2008. But they're always the same ending, you know, significant market drops of 30, 40, 50 percent. You know, and so what I came across from both of those bear markets in the last 20 years is that my job is just to educate clients about how to keep their money safe so that when something goes wrong and things get priced for perfection, you know, either because they've sky high atmospheric wise or, you know, with high valuations like what we see now. But when those crashes come, that means that they got to have some powder dry to take advantage of those and actually use it as an opportunity to buy rather than get hurt by it. You know, and that's really one of the biggest things, you know, out of both of the bear markets that we've had in the last 18 years. Love your wisdom there, Michael, all about being prepared when those times come, both to protect your current assets, but then also to plan ahead and to think, is this a buying opportunity right now? If you play it right, you can get in at a discount. But it certainly was a scary time 10 years ago. Crazy. If that's something you'd like to learn more about, I would always recommend The Big Short. Have you read that book or seen the movie? I saw the movie. Great movie. Great movie. Great story. Both good. The book, of course, is pretty heavy into the details and gets a lot into finance. So if you want more of just the overarching picture, maybe the movie's the way to go. But just a wonderful picture of why it happened and a good look at the greed in this country as well at the time. Always interesting to talk about these things and crazy. That's been 10 years ago this year. Absolutely absurd. Well, let's move on now and take a question from the mailbag. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Well, we love hearing your listener questions on the show. If you enjoy this podcast, you know that we frequently take your questions. You're always welcome to submit a question to be featured on the podcast. Don't worry if you're nervous. Don't want to out yourself as the asker of the question. We can change your name to you know protect the identity and all that good stuff. But if you want to submit a question, you can go online to crystallaketax.com and do so. Again, love getting your questions. This week, we've got one that comes to us from Bailey. Bailey is in Hoffman Estates, and Bailey asks, or says rather, I'm constantly waffling between wanting to protect my money with safer investments and wanting to get as much growth as I can. That's pretty typical, Bailey. That's sort of the conundrum between a lot of folks. Which should I do? I'll be 60 next month. Bailey, that's a great question. The correct question really should be though, what do I need my money to do? Do you need it to grow for you know long term? Do you need to generate current income? And how much risk should you be taking at a maximum level to achieve these things? Now, if you only need 5 or 6% return to provide the income and have a little bit of growth, why take a lot of the risk in the stock market with a large percentage of your money if you don't need to? Now, we figure out how much total return clients need and then take the least amount of risk that they need to to try and achieve that. You know, and it really comes down to our practice a little bit. All this comes with starting a financial plan that covers all aspects of your financial life, not just your investments. You know, so you'd sit down, Bailey, with a financial planner, kind of a fiduciary like our firm, it takes a look at what you're going to be your income sources in retirement. You know, you got Social Security, pensions. What are your expenses going into retirement? And is there some sort of gap from an income perspective in there? And if there is a gap, then position some of your portfolio conservatively enough that in that manner, it will be able to generate that additional income you already know you need. And then and only then 
if there's additional investable assets available, after you've assured your income needs in retirement, then you begin to introduce the risk-based things like you know mutual funds, stock-based investments, those things. I mean, if you actually read my book, Purpose-Based Investing, you'll hear where I talk about eat the eggs, not the chickens. And what that's alluding to is positioning your portfolio almost as if it's the golden goose. So where you can live off the eggs for the rest of your life, and you don't want to eat the golden goose because that's what's going to pay your bills for the rest of your life. So when it comes down to how do you protect your money with safer investments, but you want maximum growth, that is a great outlook. But the best way to do it is kind of have a bucket strategy where you say, okay, how much of this do I need to have current or retirement income? Allocate that on the safer spectrum. And then if there's additional funds available, then you don't mind introducing a little bit more risk because now you can. So Bailey, great question. It's a balancing act, but one we'd be happy to help you with. Yes, thanks for writing in, Bailey. Of course, we can get more in depth if you want to come in for a visit with Michael and the team. You heard the number at the beginning of the podcast, but it's 815-526-3092. And a quick aside before we get into the kind of main topic, Michael, tell me about the book one more time. You kind of hit on that. You've got this book, and I know that it's one that you'd love to be able to share with listeners and clients out there. Yeah, no, thanks for asking. Yeah, so purpose-based investing, nine lessons to rescue your retirement from Wall Street really just talks about a common sense approach. We released it on Amazon almost a year ago. It's been a great hit. A lot of our clients and you know, prospective clients kind of love it because it's really common sense approach to say, okay, I've accumulated all these assets as I'm approaching or in retirement. How do I actually turn them into an income stream that's going to be sustainable and predictable for me over time? You know, and because really, you know, everybody talks about what should my number be and how much money do I have to save? But it's what can your money do for you that's important. And that's really what the book talks about. And of course, if you'd like to get that book, it's available on Amazon. And if you come in for a visit, I'm sure we can make sure to get you a copy of that. Purpose-Based Investing, Nine Lessons to Rescue Your Retirement from Wall Street. Be sure to check it out. All right, let's dive into the rest of the podcast now. We want to know, are you asking the wrong financial questions? We say that because a lot of folks have questions. I'm sure if you're listening right now with some of the stuff we've said, you might already have questions, but we often find your, and I say your, maybe we should say we, I'm sure you and I have done it before, Michael, we're usually asking the wrong questions. So let's just go through some of the common questions we see and learn about the different questions maybe you should be asking instead. So this is a big one. I've done this again. I'm sure you've done this. Maybe everybody who's coming in the door. How much do I need to have saved in order to retire? So is that half a million dollars, a million dollars? How much is it? Yep. That goes back to my thing that we talked in the last segment about, you know, everybody thinking that it's some kind of number. I think the better question might be how much income will you need and how much will your current savings be able to give you, you know, without spending through it or risking enough to where you could run out of it. People think it's all about a certain number or a certain balance. And in reality, it's about what you can do with it. Plus, what's your other sources of income in retirement? Pension, Social Security, and going back to what we talked about earlier, what are your expenses in retirement? You know, someone that's entering retirement and they don't happen to have a mortgage, they've paid it off, they're not carrying a lot of you know, car payments, credit card bills, those kind of things, their need for income and what their number needs to be or the amount of money that they need to have saved for retirement is going to be completely different than somebody that might be out there and they're carrying a $250,000 mortgage and two car payments into retirement. You know, and probably one of the other big issues now and you know won't go too deep on it is for somebody that retires before 65 do they have additional expenses associated with just providing for health care? We've got some clients here that have retired at 60 and 62, and they're paying eighteen dollars to $24,000 a year 
just for health insurance. It has to bridge them to Medicare. It doesn't make it wrong. It just means it has to be part of the overall plan and start thinking through that from a cash flow perspective when you determine not only when you can retire, but how much you need. And another popular question that you might hear, but maybe it's not the question you need to be asking, should I get long-term care insurance or should I just roll the dice? I hear that all the time, especially on the roll the dice side because of how expensive long-term care can be. And these aren't really the only two options in that long-term care discussion. You do need some kind of long-term care plan. So rolling the dice shouldn't be a legitimate option, but traditional long-term care insurance doesn't have to be the solution either. When we cover with clients, there's three different ways that I show them on how we can handle long-term care when we're putting together that financial plan. I start by saying there's a choice that has to be made. I'm gonna educate you on all three options. There's pros and cons for each, and at least they can make an educated decision at that point. So the one thing we can't do is nothing. Not deciding is making a decision. So when I walk through those three choices, we say, okay, your first choice is a traditional long-term care policy. The second is to mitigate some of that long-term care risk with what we call a hybrid policy that covers both spouses. If we use it, and then there's some level of long-term care coverage for them, but if we don't, then whatever they paid in long-term care premiums over that time, will actually be paid tax-free as a life insurance benefit to the beneficiaries. So not a bad choice, right? Because you get your original money back if it's never used, but if you need it, it's there. And then the third choice is to self-insure and essentially take on all the potential cost and burden of long-term care for one or both of the spouses. So ideally, you know, one or two is a better option if we can afford it, because three can actually devastate a family finances if they choose to self-insure. So you know, I think of it this way. Long-term care in a facility in Illinois for full-time care costs almost $90,000 a year in today's dollars. So we ask clients, how will you pay for that if one of you requires care? How many years can you afford to pay that without running out of money? And the spouse that doesn't require care, how are they going to be paying their bills while $90,000 is going out of the portfolio and income towards something else? So, you know, these are very real concerns that need to be built on a financial plan. So clients can, once again, just make those educated choices. You know, and I'll leave you on the long-term care side. I'm going to leave you with one stat. A married couple that reaches 65 today there's an 80% chance that one of them is going to require some sort of long-term care. So if I said there was an 80% chance your house might burn down in the next few years, would you insure it or would you roll the dice? You know, with such a high probability. And then, you know, they see it with their parents and their grandparents on a regular basis. So the, you know, the key is you understand this is something that's going to be used by either of you. You can either use your current assets and risk running out of them or we can shift some of that risk over to an insurance company to at least mitigate some of those potential costs. Certainly an interesting conversation. And I think the two things that you said that really hit home with me is one, average cost of nursing home care right now is about $90,000 a year. And then two, I believe you said, is it 80% of folks should expect to go into a nursing home? Is that what you said? Not necessarily a nursing home, but receive some sort yes, of care. So yes, whether some it's sort home-based of care. care, nursing home care, correct. Yes, yeah, so about 80% for a couple that reaches 65, there's an 80% chance that at least one of them is going to require some sort of substantial long-term care. Man, that just goes to show you the importance of planning ahead for that. And I think you can expect that costs are probably only going to rise as we go forward. So it's important to have a plan in place for that. And make sure you're asking the right question. Speaking of, another question we often get, how can I get the highest possible return on my money? I believe the uh, mailbag question was a little bit like that actually today. Yeah, that's basically similar to what Bailey and Hoffman Estates said, you know, and Will Rogers, you know, always says it's less about the return on my money and more about the return of my money, you know, and that's 
apropos given the last 20 years when we've seen the stock market, you know, super high and super low and kind of the roller coaster in between. So in a zero interest rate environment the last 10 years, people have really been chasing yield in many instances, mainly going to the stock market. It's really been the only place the last nine years you could have got a decent return. So now with interest rates rising and markets getting a little frothy, investors are starting to take a step back and see that there's risk everywhere. So, you know, one of the ways that we have this, and it really goes back to that Bailey discussion with individuals when they say, how do I get the best return on my money? So what we do is we kind of take a step back and say, okay, let's assign a purpose to these various dollars that the clients have. So here's an example. A client recently sold a home and retired. You know, they don't know where they're going next, but they just wanted to make sure that they didn't have to worry about a home, so they're going to rent for a while. Our conversation when they walked in with the $300,000 check plus all their rollovers and everything else wasn't about, hey, I got a great investment idea. You know, here's what your maximum return can be. What I said was, let's break this money down into three different buckets. The first bucket is money that we need in the next, say, 24 months. You know, are we going to purchase a new home? We need an emergency fund. Are there any major expenses? You know, are we going to buy another car? The second bucket is kind of what we call our three to five year money. That's money that, you know, they've got a daughter that is going to get married in the next few years. So we set aside about $15,000 for that. They want to replace a second car in that time frame. They also want to supplement their current income and get a rising income over the next few years. And then whatever money was left, that's what we started talking about options for that third bucket, which is their long-term money that they don't really need the principal for another five or 10 years. They really need more growth over time for that. So by dividing it into those three buckets, then in each bucket, because of the amount of the time frame and the amount of risk involved, then we can actually set and discuss what realistic rates of return are. So, of course, you know, bucket one that's going to be relatively liquid and available is going to have a substantially lower potential return because there's little to no risk to it. Whereas that bucket three is probably going to be more market driven and there's a lot more risk, but there's a lot more upside. But that's OK because we don't need this money for another five or ten years. You know, so typically that's the way that you want to approach it. Anytime you're trying to determine what's the highest possible return, you always go back to the original question is, what's the purpose of this specific money? And finally, Michael, this is one I know that everybody asks because everybody wants to know how much it costs to work with an advisor, how much it costs to have X, Y, and Z fund. People often ask, where can I pay the lowest fees for financial advice? Yeah, I think anytime you're having a fee or a cost discussion, it's important not to pay any unnecessary fees. But the real question is, what am I getting for the fees that I'm paying? There's always a discussion of cost versus value, right? Unfortunately, financial services and Wall Street have made it seem that it's okay to pay high fees for investment management, whether it's the advisory fee or the internal fund fees, whatever it might be. But really, nothing could be further from the truth. The fee that you pay should be based on the value of the advice that's received. It should not be based on whatever product you buy. If you just want investments and you just want to participate in the market, then keep your money invested in index funds. You don't need an advisor. You'll pay little to no fees and you'll get the growth of the market. But if you see value in financial planning, tax reduction strategies, long-term care conversations, coordinating your estate planning, and maybe even some hand-holding in good markets and bad, then that's where the value of working with a financial advisor and paying a management fee is. It isn't because you purchase product A or B or fund A or B. The fee should be attributed to the value of the financial advice and the financial relationship that's going to help you make good decisions over the long haul. Unfortunately, what I found is most people are working with product pushers, and that's where all these high fees come in. They're not truly working with somebody that provides financial advice that's unique to their situation. So, you know, in short, the fee should be for the advice, not for the product. 
And Michael, real quick, so talking about fees and what it costs to work with an advisor, what's the experience at your office? What's it look like when somebody comes in and wants to work with you? How's that initial conversation go? And what does it look like to get your advice? Yeah, we're pretty straightforward with clients. You know, if you're a good fit, that's great. Then, you know, we'll decide if we can add value and work together. And if not, you know, we're all adults and we can kind of part ways friends or so. You know, we don't have to dodge each other in the grocery store. Typically, what that looks like is it begins with what we call a discovery meeting. Discovery meeting, clients come in. You know, there's no charge for it. We usually set aside about an hour. And we really we don't even look at statements or specific investments. We really just have a conversation of what are you doing now? What are you trying to accomplish? And if we think we can add some value to that, and there's a good fit personality-wise for us and philosophy, then we'll say, okay, we want to move forward, build a plan. However, we decide to work together. Here's what the cost is going to be. And we agree on that up front. And then if we decide to move together, usually we'll have two to three other meetings. The next one's called the design meeting. The design meeting, I basically take all the information and basically resell you on what you own and say, okay, here's what you told me you want to do. Here's what we need to do. So if there's a gap in there, well, then we build a plan to kind of fix that gap. If you're okay, then I'm going to tell you you're okay. And then usually that third and final meeting is what we call the delivery meeting. The delivery meeting is really we've put that plan together and it gives us marching orders. It says, here's what we need to do. Here's when we need to do it. And then we just agree who's going to do it. Are they going to do it themselves? Are they going to hire us? Are they going to work with their current advisor, their current accountant, whatever it is? But really going through that actual process actually gives everybody a good grasp of kind of what the next steps are and what they need to do to be successful. That's right. We want you to be successful in retirement. We want to get you a plan in place that'll give you some peace of mind, no matter kind of what happens in the market. We talked about the 2008 crash 10 years ago, and we all know that the markets were jittery in October, a lot of ups and downs for sure. But we want you to have everything in place. We want you to get your ducks in a row and you can do that. Come in for a visit at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial with Michael Stewart. Reach out to the team. Call 815-526-3092. That's 815 815- 526-3092. Crystal Lake is a one-stop shop with a CPA, enrolled agent, and paralegal all on staff. They can help you when it comes to all things financial and any retirement matters. And with that, Michael, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Have a wonderful day, Mark. We'll do it again next time on another edition of Retirement Matters. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. The information provided herein is for training or educational purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities, investments, investment strategies, or investment advice relating to securities, nor is the information or representation that any security is a suitable or appropriate investment for any person. Before acting on any advice, you should consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your own objectives, financial situation and needs. Please contact us to obtain our disclosure brochure relating to the services offered by Sound Income Strategies, LLC, and consider its contents before making any decisions. Where quoted, past performance is not indicative of future performance. Sound Income Strategies, LLC does not represent or warrant that the contents of this program are suitable for you from a compliance, regulatory, legal, or any other perspective. We shall have no responsibility for your use or non-use of the program or any portion thereof.